Uh, I'm Tony Hawk, and I'm a professional skateboarder. All right, here we go. Another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne. It's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. And do we ever have one of those individuals on the show today? Please enjoy my conversation with Tony Hawk. That's the title. I'm going to push you on this one. Like, what If you had to go deeper, like what... What makes Tony, Tony? What, what are those qualities, those characteristics that, and these evolve obviously as we go through life and so forth, but as of today, you know, like, what do you, what do you identify with most? Well, I think, uh, I mean, just in terms of how I made it this far, my determination and perseverance, um, especially doing a, an activity, a sport that was widely disregarded for a long time. Um, yeah. so I, I learned the value of never giving up. I think that, that firstly, but I, uh, these days I'm more of an advocate for skating and skate parks as opposed to just being a, a pro, a, an active sure. professional athlete. Um, I still, I still like to pride myself in that cause I, I have, I'm too stubborn to let it go. <laughs> um, but I, that's that's kind of what I do. I, I try to be an ambassador of sorts for skateboarding and skateboard culture and uh, representation, um, inclusivity, and skate parks, facilities. Yeah, so important. I mean, I grew up uh, skateboarding, I'd say in, the, in my high school years, and those are some of my fondest memories of just, you know, going at, at, for me, it was, it was street skating. It was, it would have been during the time when things were really starting to pick up again and just, you know, finding those locations, meeting your buddies, like at that time too, trying to, you know, trying to get home before, you know, the sun, you know, disappeared essentially and, and make it back and just pushing so damn hard. Uh, I'm goofy. So on my left foot to get home, uh, it's just, <laughs> it's so there's such fond memories of, of just great people. And to your point, like determination to like how many times you do a trick right over, and over and over again. And that satisfaction of, of yeah, but, and I, landing I think it. that, but I also think that approach to life or challenges carries you through, uh, yeah. especially into your adult years, even if you don't skate anymore, I, I, I think that that is ingrained in you through skating. And yeah. the ethos of that and the, the whole DIY attitude or, you know, and the renegade aspect of like going to places that you're not supposed to go skate because there were no places to skate. Yeah. Uh, but I think that there, there's definitely a, a faction of people these days that grew up with that attitude and with that approach through skating and they very much rely on it and are proud of it. Um, and you can see it. I mean, it's, it's funny. I, you know, I'm, I'm in my fifties and when I'm out and about and out in the wild, I can see the older skaters in the crowd. They just have a different vibe. Well, how so? What, what, what do you pick up on? Um, I think there's sort of a, well, a look for sure. There's, yeah. there's sort of a, you know, you, you can tell by his shoes. <laughs> almost yeah, right exactly. Away. Um, <laughs> but also a look and then just sort of a, a, an ease and a self-confidence mm. that you don't, that it's hard for people to project. Yeah. But as a skater, you kind of have been through the, you've been through the fire of probably bullying, um, not fitting in, not being yep. accepted and you just forge ahead. Yeah. Why do you skate today? Uh, it's, it's my meditation. That's really the thing that gives me the most peace and keeps me grounded. And it, it's, it's, the, it, it's the great humbling uh, aspect of what I do for sure, because skating is not, it, it doesn't get easier. Um, you can get more confident with it. You can get more consistent with it, but to keep pushing it and to learn new techniques is never easy. And yeah. especially as you get older, um, you discover that very quickly, um, in the most harsh sense. But, <laughs> but when I do go skate, I mean, like yesterday I, I spent, 
I spent two hours yesterday trying to get one trick on video and it didn't work out. And I'm just glad I got out there and skated. Yeah. And you know, that I would say 20 years ago, that would have been a crushing day. Like I would have been, I, I couldn't get over it. And now I just feel like, well, I got out there, I tried, I got a workout and, um, I felt like I was, I, I felt like I was pushing myself and I didn't need the great, the great end or the great success to, to feel good about it. That's, that's interesting. I mean, do you, do you think that's just from experience and I almost want to say like a sense of gratitude to the fact that, you know, you can still go out there and skate for two hours and try a trick like that and, and, you know, come back in one piece, essentially. Like, what do you think flipped in your mind uh, over the years to just kind of be with the, with the lifestyle and the sport? Um, I spent so much of my life trying to prove myself in, in the skate world uh, and always coming up with new challenges and always striving for some newer height and, and just kind of like endlessly chasing this carrot. Yeah. And at some point, um, especially in recent years, I, I realized that I can be just as effective just being part of the scene and, mm. um, and enjoy that like in, in a way that I didn't before enjoy it more from an outsider perspective where this is just, this is amazing. Like you said, I got, I, I am in, I'm in shape enough to be able to do that for two hours and try something new and be considered part of the scene, part yeah. of the thread, the fabric, uh, and, and be relevant. And, and that's enough. Um, I mean, I definitely, uh, my wife has helped me through that quite a bit in terms of just realizing that if I, if I'm just supporting the scene, that should be enough. Hmm. Well, I have to, so that leads really well into something I wanted to talk to you about, because this is, I have to say, I've, I've been quite fortunate and I'm super grateful to, to have been in the position to interview, at this point, probably 300 plus people over the last five years. But in doing the, the, the preparation, and I've done some pre-interviews with some, some ex-pro skaters and so forth to get some different contexts, my barber being one of them, actually, um, there's something different when I say your name to anyone, I mean, and I'm talking about nephews and cousins to moms, to people that skate today, that people have never picked up a board. There's just this level of excitement. And I'd say that the, 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 the foundational quality that I'm picking up on is respect. Like you've, oh, you've wow. it's just this Oh man! Well, I'll never forget. We're, I was sitting in the barbershop interviewing um, the guy's name is Dave Nolan. He was a uh, pro skater, street in in the I think in the '90s and so forth. And I was asking him because we were talking about the '90s, which I'd love to talk to you about a little bit later, and how you know when things were all just essentially crashing. Um, I said, you know what? Or I asked him. I said, what What did Tony mean for you in in that era in that time? And I mean, I'm going to get a bit emotional thinking about because there was emotion right there in the room. There was a long pause and he said, he was there with us. He was there on, the, and when you said, you know, being a part of the fabric and the scene, like he was there while we were going down and just knowing that he was there and, and, you know, relying on the fact that, you know, I know you've seen this happen before and you're in it for the long haul, but just knowing that like, yeah, you were doing other things just to, you know, to keep it going, but he was there. And I just, I feel like that just sets up this, this, I don't know even how to define it or describe it, but there's, you have this level of respect worldwide from, from so many people that I have to ask you, like who instilled, like, who do you respect growing up or who instilled that value into you? Um, well, I'd say my, my first mentor in that sense was Stacy Peralta because mm -hmm. he's the one who formed our team in the early eighties, the bones brigade. Yeah. And he did it not just based on skill sets, but also he could just sense a, a deeper, I don't know how to, how to explain it. I think he, he could sense 
a deeper passion <clears throat> from all of us that we were not going to rest on our accolades, that we were in it for the long haul, that we, we chose this as our life. And mm. I mean, he's, he, let's put it this way. I was put on the Bones Brigade 40 plus years ago. Uh, and yesterday I skated with Steve Cavallaro and Mike McGill. Um, yes. We're all still skating just as passionately yeah. as ever. And that's a testament to not just Stacy, but obviously to, to the stronghold that, that skateboarding can have on your life. Um, but to answer your question that he showed me that it's not just about your skating. It's about, uh, it, it's about giving back to the community. Mm -hmm. It's about fostering the new generation and, um, doing whatever you can. I mean, you know, he, he was a former pro skater himself. He yeah. started a company and did whatever he could to promote skateboarding in general. It wasn't just about promoting his brand, our team. It was like he would, he became the unofficial ambassador for skateboarding through the eighties. And yeah. the reason that <clears throat> you saw skateboarding in back to the future do you know what I mean? The reason yeah, yeah. that we were in Gleaming the Cube was because of Stacey Peralta. So uh, I took a lot of cues from that. And when I found myself in this position where suddenly I realized I have a voice that extends beyond just the skate realm and, and might transcend um, skateboard culture, I wanted to use it in the best way possible and to, to bring everyone along and, and, and show why we have been doing this for so many decades, why we have devoted our lives to it, why it's worthy of attention, why it can be the most, one of the most positive uh, activities, outlets for kids. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I mean, I, I, I feel like we should set, cause this is not, you know, so this is not a skateboarding podcast. So just to set some context for, for listeners, what happened in, 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 the, in the skateboard world? Because there was, there was the 70s, 80s, you know, the definitely the 90s, things really, you know, crashed and then came back. And I think a lot of people probably listening, if, just judging by the age group, would remember, oh yeah, the X Games and the 900 and then things, you know, took off to another level again. But what, you know, from, from your perspective, what was going on? Like why the crashes and, and the highs and lows and just in, in an industry like that? You don't see that often. Yeah, well, I think in the early years, especially the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, skateboarding was considered a fad. So it was it was very much paralleled with yo-yos or frisbees. It was just kind of like, oh, okay. this is cool for now and <clears throat> it's a kid's activity and we move on. Um, but then through the 80s, the whole Dogtown and Z-Boys era was, was happening and they were learning how to skate these empty swimming pools, which soon became um, what we know as vert half-pipe riding. And there, was, there were aerial maneuvers. So then there was that revolution through the 80s and then it came back around again more as a fad, more like in the, the years of Back to the Future and MTV. And then skating was kind of back in the limelight, but it was still considered this sort of this passing fad. And then through the, well, I don't know if it was considered that, but, but what happened was, especially in the late eighties, skate parks closed because all the skate parks were private facilities. They couldn't afford insurance anymore. It's America. There's all this yeah. litigation. And these people, were the bowls, you know, right? The, at that time, the, the, yeah, the empty yeah. swimming pools, bowls, uh, you know, just big concrete playgrounds. Yeah. <clears throat> and people got sue happy and, and they couldn't afford their liability insurance. And so they all shut down. I mean, some shut down for, for lack of participation, but most of them just couldn't afford the insurance. And then skating kind of died in the sense of popularity, but but then it went through this resurgence that was sort of underground street, literally in the streets. Yeah. And kids started to figure out how to use the urban landscape as their skate park. So then they learned how to skate stairs and benches and handrails and find natural contours and, and curves of buildings. And then it was like, 
well, now everything's a skate park. Yeah. And skating started to to grow again. I mean, like, you know, that sounds like probably the era that you were into it. Yeah. Um, and then in the mid 90s, we got this sort of new chance to uh, to show ourselves on television through the X Games. And even though the X Games was sort of a, I don't know, a, a strange mixture of fringe sports, skateboarding <laughs> definitely stood out and I think rose to the top of the interest when where kids are watching it. And then um, that started to grow. Skating kept evolving. You know, every every year there'd be a whole new set of tricks to learn. And then yeah. uh, our video game was released in 1999. And I feel like between that and the X Games popularity, that was sort of the the tipping point for this is here to stay. Mm-hmm. And there's a foundation built that is not going to just die away with with popularity or with with trends. It was more like we have we are deep seated now, and it's been like that ever since. I mean, I, it definitely has waxed and waned a little bit, but but we're up here now, and there's yeah. a, a much more international interest. Um, it's in the Olympics now. I mean, it's here to stay. Yeah. Do you do you remember? Was there a moment for you? when when you really felt it like okay something's changed here in in the sense of like it's here to stay this is not just you know a a a smaller group of friends that are really into something like globally people are talking about skateboarding at this point um well i definitely felt that with our video game release because i would hear people talking about skaters and tricks that clearly didn't skate themselves (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think that was the that was where I thought, okay, this is something different because it used to be that the only fans of skateboarding were skaters themselves. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it was fans of skateboarding that don't even try to skate, don't don't want to try, but really appreciate it because they they were introduced to it through either meet either television or through video games. And I mean, it's crazy to think that that um, forgive the term, but like a civilian or a pedestrian <laughs> like knows that. what a kickflip is. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like that when I, when kickflips were, they were created in around 1982, 83, there was a very small percentage, like literally hundreds of people that even understood what that was or cared what it was. Yeah. And now you can drive by people on a skateboard and say, do a kickflip and they can probably do it. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. Like, it's got to be, it's got to be interesting on your side, you know, having been in the, you know, with the sport for so long or the lifestyle or whatever you want to call it. I think it's it's an art. It's all blended together. I've heard you say, Um, just to see, you know, this evolution and and it's got to be a sense of pride there, you know, that you've had a hand in a lot of that as well. Um. Sure. I mean, if I had anything to do with that, I, I'm, I'm intensely proud, but, but really I'm just more excited to be living in this, in living through it because yeah. I grew up at a time when you, I had to hide my skateboard at high school, like in ninth grade, I had to hide it in the bushes because if I was seen with it on campus, I would get bullied. Mm-hmm. I got bullied anyway, just cause I was so small and I looked like a skater, but to have a skateboard just made you extra, yeah, an yeah. extra target. <laughs> yeah. And now that's not the case at all. Um, sure. and, and if, if I had something to do with that by representing skateboarding, hopefully in its best light, then I'm, I'm hugely proud, but I'm, I'm more just excited to be living in this time where I get to participate and see it grow. Yeah. It's it, just for con, con context for people as well. I mean, there's, there's hiding the skateboard in the bushes, but there's hiding your skateboard in the bushes, having come back from, you know, winning a contest and being literally at the top of your game in the skate world. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're the, you're the strange kind of outlier at school. It's crazy. Oh yeah. No, I I had it. It was my, my high school years were a crazy paradox. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, uh, well, at some point I actually ended up, um, moving high schools because I, I lived right on the, the sort of border of, of two different high schools. <clears throat> and I got so harassed at the first one that I just, I actually requested to be transferred. 
So when I transferred to the other high school, I was more of a ghost. I just kept a low profile. So people knew that that a professional skateboarder went to the school or like that Tony Hawk went to their school, but they they couldn't point me, they couldn't pick me out of the crowd. Yeah. Um, and so I would go, especially in my later high school years when things were starting to get more successful, I would go off to Florida or I would go off to um or or Canada or uh you know the northeast and go to a big competition and and win like win one of those giant checks. You know, like the happy Gilmore <laughs> exactly, <right>? checks <laughs> and come back to school and be a total ghost in the hallways. Um Wild. and that was okay with me. I wasn't looking for their their acceptance or their accolades. Um, but it was it was a very strange um <laughs> existence. It's so strange. How did you I want to talk a little bit about your mind just through through that that time, but then also, you know, like coming back to what I was talking to to Dave about, you know, the when when things were crashing in the nineties, like what how did you get through that mentally? You know, like what what was your self-talk like? Um I just I just hustled. I just did whatever I could to make ends meet. I, I didn't, I don't know. I, I guess I just had, I, I had this sort of skate ethos, do it yourself attitude for so long that when the excesses started to fall away, it was more like, I just got to go extra hard and figure out how to make a living. I mean, at that point I had just started a family I had a young son, I had two mortgages and it was like, I got to figure this out. And so mm. I took this is every, quick, right? Cause like you're, you're up here getting checks to like almost. Yeah. Nothing. I would say, I would say like 1991 to 1992, my income, my income dropped by half every month um, because it was all royalty based. So yeah. My products were not selling. Skateboard products were not selling. Mine were on the sl- on the <laughs> the downhill slide uh, significantly. And then um, I just started to try to like I I had some experience editing video. I had the equipment to edit video, so I started freelancing mm. video editing. Um, I started to I, I put my name out there as a consultant for any sort of. Hollywood job, commercial film, otherwise. And I got a couple jobs doing that. It was funny because I was 24 at the time. And so in Hollywood, I was considered too old to be skateboarding <laughs> or to be shown skateboarding. So I would be the consultant that they would hire to say, okay, what is possible once we find a skateboarder? And then I would go and show them literally <laughs> yeah. the skating thing they wanted. And they go, okay, yeah, that, that'll, that'll work. So we're going to hire some 15 year old to do that. Tony Hawk, the consultant. Oh yeah, the, I mean hey, that the was a card. That was a good gig. That was I was not complaining. <laughs> okay, that's funny. Um, talk to me about then. So then, things take off though. Eventually, uh, like you said, you you talked a little bit about X Games. Obviously, the video game, the nine hundred. With you know the first person to land a nine hundred, that was another big one. And it all of a sudden, from my understanding, just to put the the perspective out there like you're you're going on tour selling out arenas and with setups and pyro and all that stuff at that time rivaling if not you know more elaborate than rock you know t- bands and so forth like how did you keep i guess a couple, couple questions what was that like for you and how did you keep your ego in check um, well, it was, it was like, I mean, it was definitely like just rock stardom where we were, we were selling out arenas and we were on tour and on buses and, and sometimes private jets and, and, um, but we never lost sight of that we had to perform at the highest level every night. So that I think mm, yeah. because that was so paramount to what we were doing, that kept our egos in check because it was like, you can't party to excess you can't take this for granted. You're only as good as tomorrow, t- tomorrow night's performance. Yeah. Um, and we did, I mean, we, we put it out there every single night. It was, it, it, it's crazy to think of, of the levels of stuff that was going on for 30 to 40 shows in a row. Um, so uh, I, I guess that's my only answer. I mean, but also having lived through 
the darker times, it was all just sort of, I don't know how to explain it. It was all just, it was surreal, but there was no way that we were going to assume this is what it's going to be like for the rest of our lives. Because we had already lived through Yeah. Yeah. Because we, we had been through the fire. And so, um, there was no way to, to get ahead of ourselves and take any for granted. Does that still stay with you today with your businesses? You know, there's yes. Birdhouse and there's other, yeah? Okay. Absolutely. I mean, I, and, and also, I, I guess the, the, the flip side of that and, and the sort of the challenges of that is that I did have to struggle for so long um, and, and take every opportunity I could. And I kind of lost myself in that. And then when things get big and there's all this huge success, how do you say no? Yeah. Um, where, because I came from this time when I could not, I couldn't afford to say no. And so I would say that's the bigger challenge of having the success. I mean, when people want to see me and, and, you know, maybe pay me for my time, but at the same time, I want to have a a healthy family work life balance. Um, and so (laughs) it's empowering to say no, but it's super hard. Yeah. If you, because I, I know a bit of the backstory with this, and that you know, obviously the you know that lifestyle and that that level of fame. I think you I heard you say something to the fact of it's it's the worst drug out there. You know that kind of fame. Yeah, I it, mean, I, to a sense, in in a in a sense, obviously there are yeah, yeah, far no, more for sure. lethal and dangerous drugs, but it is it is in the sense that if you get a taste of it and you are trying to get more of it, well, for one, it may not be available to you, but secondly. Yeah. You you probably end up sort of destroying your integrity along the mm-hmm. way if that's all you're after. Yeah. And we see it time and time again, especially in the age of social media, where people get a sense of fame and they think that they're invincible. Mm-hmm. So what would you do now? Like, because I know it affected your your relationships, uh, your romantic relationships, but then also, you know, with your kids and so far, so forth as well, because you're away and you know, doing you know, different gigs and things like that. I guess what my question is, how would you input the pause? You know, if you had to go back and be like, wait a second, you know, is this, is this really worth it right now? Like, cause now, now, you know, obviously in retrospect, it's, you know, it's easier to, to come at this, but I think for, for many listening that, you know, who knows, maybe you're in that position right now or it's about to happen. And I think it's just good wisdom to soak up from you that hey, I would have done this a little bit differently. And, and, and here's how. Yeah, I think I, I would, well, e- e- you, you can easily lose yourself in the success to the point where you don't even recognize who you are or why you make these choices anymore. Um, and I think that getting caught up in that is, is the biggest, well, not just warning sign, but, the, but a huge mistake because you, you definitely will lose your sense of values, maybe your you know, the people you hold dearest. Um, and there's no good outcome from that. Um, I think that's what it is. I just kept chasing all these things. And at some point it was like, what is this all for? What, what is the end goal here? There wasn't one except for to just keep the machine moving. Um, and that in and of itself is maybe one of the biggest mistakes. I mean, I thought I had to do all these these red carpet events and interviews to stay in the, you know, to stay visible and to stay in the limelight. And, and then for what? Yeah. Um, and at some point I, I took more agency over my time and my choices um, and realized that I can be just as effective, um, you know, through my own outlets. And okay. it's, it's way more gratifying and validating to be doing it this way, obviously. And, it, and, I just have a better sense of what resonates too. You know what I mean? Not just jumping on some new hot whatever trend or show or or yeah. uh, pop culture thing. It's just more like I, I have, I've sort of found, I guess, my lane, so to speak, even though I don't really like that terminology because I feel like you should always be, you should always be open to new influences and yeah. new direction. Um, but you know, my, mine is, is completely centered in skateboarding. 
Yeah, what I think, like, if I if I can reflect back, I mean, what I pick up on is you've, of course, there's been hiccups along the way. When you're you're a human, you know, surprise, surprise, everyone, you know, <laughs> there's there's stuff that happens. But I think overall, it seems like you've always been in this for the longevity of skateboarding. Like even when you turned pro, like that at that time didn't just for people listening. That's just checking a different box essentially on a on a piece of paper. It's not pro as of today, right? So you have to be in it for the actual sport to, to, to continue. Right. Uh, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, not, I, you know, and, but I, I don't expect everyone to be skating for the, for the good of the, of the, of the many, sure. um, you know, people <laughs> okay. skate because of what it brings to them mentally, yeah. physically, um, their, their friend group, uh, their sense of values, so I respect all that. Um, I think I just found myself in this position where there was a there was a big audience listening to me beyond just the skate the skate centric audience, mm-hmm. and I found myself with a sense of responsibility to that, and that I should represent skateboarding as best I can, and and why for what it brought to me. Um, so. Yeah, it's not, it's, you know, it's not for everyone. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I had to grow into it. Like I, I was a shy kid. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to be famous. There was no fame or fortune in skateboarding when I started. Um, but then suddenly when it fell upon me, I had to figure out how to navigate that. Yeah. So how, what, how did you reset? Who, or who helped or what, what helped you pop out of that cycle and kind of pull out of the machine of it and, and recalibrate? Um, well, definitely my wife. Um, and I think just in terms of getting older and, and sort of staying stuck in that cycle, uh, not, I don't want to say rock and roll lifestyle cause you know, we had to perform at high levels. So it wasn't crazy, of, yeah. you know, um, substance abuse or anything like that. It was just more the, the constant chase of, of the high of whatever it is of, of skateboarding or the travel or the, or the excesses. And so, um, at some point, um, yeah, it's just, it's really my, my wife, you know, it was just say, we, what we gotta, we, we need some balance here. Like we need to, we need to be here for our kids. Mm-hmm. And have some have some more not not stability but but more routine. Okay. I think that's probably the the best answer. Like you know, as as simple as it sounds, being simple more domestic, works, Tony. Yeah, but <laughs> being works. just being more domestic, being more routine. Like uh, like yeah, you know, I know. Just for instance, right now, like my daughter can rely on me to give her uh, <laughs> all the transportation she needs uh, Sunday through Wednesday. And uh, going to uh, theater practice and cheer rehearsals and and all that stuff and and I was much more in past years uh, sporadic with that stuff, okay. just because I I allowed other things to take priority. Yeah, how's that feel for you now? Oh, it's fun. I mean, it's exhausting, but <laughs> it's it's way more rewarding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> too funny what do you have any any kind of like practices i know you said you know skateboarding is your meditation but is there any routines rituals or anything like that that you use to check in with yourself you know as things are going so that some of the things in the past like you can you can hear and see those warning signs if, if they're coming creeping too close um i think more just just trying to check in with my kids because the, um, they're mostly grown. We have uh, five boys and they're all either, you know, on their own. Um, one's married uh, and graduated uh, from college, having jobs. Two are still in college, but um, just making sure that, that we're still in touch regularly and checking in on yeah. them and, and making sure they, if they need anything. Um, I'd say that's, that's probably my, my best answer. Cause you know, when you, at some point, especially when you're, when your kids are out of the house, you tend to be like, all right, they're just on their own. They don't need our <laughs> constant supervision, sure. but they still need help and they still need advice. 
So that's for, for you is a, they're a bit of a temperature check on, because if I'm reading this correctly, they're reflecting back potentially what's going on in your world. Because um, my question I is like, so. uh, right? Go ahead. Well, I, I also think that just to keep them updated on what you're doing too, like that, that's important. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I don't want them to see me out and I don't know, on social media or whatever. And they're like, I didn't know he was doing that. That, that, uh, that see, that's yeah. such an odd that, that, I, that that's an odd existence or communication pattern yeah interesting what do you get from your kids in terms of you know emotions feelings all that stuff like what do they do for you right now in your life oh well I, I, they're they're the most important part of our lives and so what do I get from them motivation inspiration um, we're always fascinated with what they choose to do and how they approach things and, and their sense of creativity and sense of values. I mean, there were, there was a moment like just last year, my wife and I, we took all the kids to Italy and we had kind of a, a, a pretty extravagant vacation. We haven't done that in a while. And sure. And at some point we're sitting down to dinner with all of them and we just kind of looked That's at each cool. other and like, look, we did it. Like yeah, they're, you know they're they're all here. <laughs> they're responsible human beings, adults in their own rights, and 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 we're enjoying it. That's awesome. How how do you think? Because you you know you're in um you're in the you know we're all in a certain chapter in our lives, obviously. But I want to kind of ask you about your current chapter and and how how you think about like where where you're at and where you're heading when it comes to almost like transferring wisdom and, and and teaching and whatnot to the upcoming generation of skaters. I know you're, you know, being from Canada over here, I have to definitely shout out Reese, Calgary, 10-year-old, incredible uh, girl skating with you. You know, like, how do you think about the next chapter of your life? What, what, what does that look like? Um, I don't, I don't have any great directive i um i'm just kind of taking it day by day i'm i'm definitely enjoying these times um and i i went through this this bad injury last year um and i'm still coming out of that for the most part i mean i'm kind of i'm pretty much back to the kind of skating that i'd hoped i would be back to but um the femur so what's that yeah i broke it's my the, femur yeah. last march um and had a had a failed recovery for the first part of that because i I got back to skating too soon because I couldn't stay off yeah. it and it was my fault. But, um, so eight months into my recovery, I had to have uh, surgery to reset the bone because it never actually, uh, healed properly or connected back to itself. So, um, now I'm Details. on the, yeah, I'm now I'm on the, the better end of that. Um, and I'm able to skate and, and do most of my old tricks. And so I feel, I, you know, that's exciting to me. I don't yeah. know how far I'm taking that, but, it's more like I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take it for granted again. I'm not going to take advantage of it or think that that I am invincible because I I fucked around and found out. Yeah. Um. And it, you know, and that taught me a, a huge lesson. So now I'm just kind of for the skating. Like I'm I'm cruising. I'm not cruising, but I'm, I'm kind of playing the hits, so to speak. And other than that, doing what I can to advocate for skateboarding and skate parks and, and whatever that looks like. And, and that, that takes different forms. Um, every day it's, it's a di like doing, doing podcasts, uh, doing interviews, mm -hmm. traveling to do talks or panel discussions or, um, trying to get, uh, to raise awareness for our charity or other charities that involve in skateboarding. I and mean, that's kind of what I'm doing. And, um, it's been a blast. Like it's, it's really like to, to sort of be my own boss and choose my own priorities has been really, uh, liberating. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the recovery. I actually had a question from, um, from some skaters on this one, like, cause there's, there's, and this I think applies to any sport or any injury. There's, there's the typical recovery, the physio, all of that kind of stuff, right. Which we're, we're all used to. The question I got from my barber actually is just like, I want to know, like, what's the, what is, what's the first thing you do when you get back on the board? Like, is he just in the middle of the ramp doing a little shove it and be like, ah, that feels okay. Or maybe it doesn't. Cause this guy in particular just had a kidney transplant and hasn't been on his board for 
three months is kind of in the same, like wants to, can't wait to get back, but is scared. You know, like how do you, how do you test the waters I, I, out? No, no, it was super slow. I, I took it slow. I, I, uh, well, how do I explain that? <laughs> the first I took time it slow, you take it I took it slow until I didn't. Yeah. Like I took it slow and then I thought, well, I've got the general balance. I should probably try to go up this big ramp. And then when I went up the big ramp and, and got to the top and tried to jump off my board onto the top, I felt my leg literally move out of place. Um, and so I feel good. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think I was in denial of it. I knew oh. something really was bad happened, but I was just in yeah. denial of it. And then I just kept forcing through the pain to try to get back to the skating. And for some, at some point I realized I'm not making any progress. I'm always in pain. Something's really off. But to answer his question, when I came back the second time and yeah. took it slowly and listened, <laughs> listened to the medical experts on their advice, um, yeah, that was it. It was just more like I, I was cruising. Uh, I, I started to learn how to put my weight forward, shift it. Because that wasn't the thing is that in the beginning, I was always 75% on my good leg and 25% on my bad leg. And then when mm. I finally had the confidence to lean on my good leg, then I just started to work my way up. And it was, you know, the recovery by comparison was very slow for me compared to yeah. my, my younger self. Like I broke my yeah. pelvis and I was skating six weeks later. Um, but these days that recovery comes much slower and I just embraced that process more and celebrated the small wins. That's my answer. Like I, mm. there were little tiny uh, little tiny, uh, things that happened along the way that made, th you know, I just got a little bit better. Yeah. Like, I, and, and it, I, so some important. are just so nuanced. I can't even explain it, but I just knew that, oh, I, I had a trouble doing that the other day. Now I can do that easily. It yeah. wasn't anything huge or significant, but I celebrated those wins along the way. And that's what got me through it. And now, you know, I'm, I, I did the trick that I broke my leg on. Um, not, not oh, too long ago. Oh shit. How did that feel? <laughs> Super <laughs> scary at first. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, like closure, that's what it felt like. Uh, yeah. Cause I don't know if I'm going to do it again and I don't care if I do. It was more like I had to, I had to over, I had to overcome that beast. Yeah. I get that. I mean, I'm, uh, I mean, I used to skateboard, but I would say my, my main sport right now is, is mountain biking. And it's, you know, similar thing. You go down somewhere and best thing you do is, you know, if you can get back on the bike and, and conquer whatever that thing was, you know, the drop, the jump or whatever, just yeah. mentally, it's so, it's so freeing. And, and like you said, it provides closure. Yeah. It, it it was mental for sure, but but the I'd say the physical aspect of it was was more difficult to overcome because how, my body like it it just it's changed and yeah um, I can't do these these sort of grabs and stuff that I used to take for granted and mm -hmm. it takes a lot more effort a lot more concentration I have help <laughs> I, I I am doing strength and training and stretching. And, and that was something that I never did because I just likened that to like jock sports. And, and that was, I was the, you know, skateboarding was the antithesis of that, but yeah, I, I got to give in at some point I'm 55. Like I need help. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to ask you, how are you adjusting right now with just the way I know you, you know, from a, from a trick standpoint, even, I think even before the femur, you had mentioned something that you're, you know, focusing a little bit more on technicality versus like massive yeah. air and stuff like that. But is there anything with the recent injury that, you know, you're making some small little adjustments so that again, coming back to that longevity, you can skate as long as your body tells you you can. Oh, for sure. There there's, I mean, the, the, my focus on tricks is much more technical, low impact, um, I call them coping dances, just more like okay. grind variations and things. And, and that provides me the validation that I, that I want, like not, not from others, but just for myself, I, you know, yeah. I, I'm super excited that I can still be progressive. Like, um, I learned a new trick just the other day and got it on video and 
it's not going to move the needle for skateboarding. It's not even going to be interesting to some little kid that wants to jump down a big set of stairs, but it's enough for me and it keeps me going. Um, but also I'm, I'm working on this video that will be basically my last video part. And it was something that I was working on before I got hurt, not realizing at the time that this would be sort of the last video part. And then as I went through my recovery, I kind of just forgot about it. I chose to forget about it because it just seemed too daunting to get back to. And then when I finally got better and realized like I could revisit this video that I was working on, um, I leaned into it hard. But, and, and as, as I did, I also realized how exhausting it would be to try to come up with all this new stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so at some point, very recently, I realized this is the last time. Like, this is the last time I put myself through this to get tricks on video. Yeah. Um, and I am winding down here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, I feel like I have the bulk of it. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. There's a few loose ends I want to do. But um, even that in and of itself, like, what, is it, what does it mean in the, in the world of skateboarding? I don't know. You know, yeah. some, I mean, some old vert dudes putting out a video part. Um, <laughs> Well, what does it mean but to at you? at the same time, what it means to me is that I overcame this, the biggest physical challenge in my life um, wow. at yeah. an age when people definitely thought that I, I wouldn't be skating or anyone would be skating. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's enough for me. There's a line you shared, I can't remember which movie or clip or anything like that. And I, I have to ask you, you said something, you know, something to the effect of, uh, I didn't know how to like myself. I think this was probably during the time where, um, you know, the fame was skyrocketing and so forth. Just hearing how you describe, you know, the last, you know, couple months and, and so forth. Are you at a point where you're proud and you like yourself? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I've definitely, I've come a long way in terms of <laughs> my thinking about my self-worth and, yeah. and just knowing like that I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a good parent. I'm an, I'm an effective father and, um, and, and a good partner, yeah. uh, to my wife. So, you know, those things are, are things that I was always doubting and probably sabotaging because I doubted it. And, uh, nowadays I'm, I'm good. Like, you know, I, I can, I can say that with confidence. And I used to, I used to not think I was, I was always, I, I think there's something in me that was always like, I, I was never good enough. I had something, I have to keep trying to do something or, or escape discomfort. Um, and now I'm, I'm, I'm willing to put in the hard work and, mm push through the discomfort. And I think that is something that that was the biggest help to me in terms of just becoming a more responsible adult, human parent, husband. Yeah. Well, and the ripple effect of that, which is really beautiful is, is just, you know, and I'm, I'm making the assumption, but I, I think you're able to impact a lot more lives like that as well, because you're, you know, you're the, the closest you can be to whatever the best version of yourself is today. I mean, that evolves. And I think that's a nice link even into the skateboard project, right? And, and all of the initiatives going on there and how many kids, you know, hopefully will have the opportunity to come together in a, in a time where, you know, it's a lot of heavy stuff happening in the world. There's a lot of really weird community stuff with online as well that, hey, let's just skate, you know, and, and, and build some of those qualities and those skills that to your point earlier, I mean, I feel them as well, that never leave you right it's so important um yeah i think so i i uh well we started the the foundation over 20 years ago but definitely have found our stride as of late in terms of how effective we can be even without huge funding um and if nothing else, that was my, that was my best way to give back to the skateboard community because the skate park that I grew up riding at was my home away from home. It's where I found my sense of community, my sense of purpose, you know, not just, not just training, but, but really like it was my, it, it, it was where I belonged. 
And mm. when I saw skateboarding start to kind of blow up uh, in the early 2000s, there was such a serious lack of facilities that it was, it was really concerning. And yeah. that's when I decided like, maybe I can turn this tide and, fi and, and figure out how to provide more facilities, but more for underserved areas and to make sure that the, the local skate kids are the ones helping the design process. Cause I think that, that was a big disconnect mm. in the early days of skate parks in the two thousands where a city said, we're going to, we're cool, we're hip, we're going to make a skate park. And then yeah. they would hire a sidewalk contractor <laughs> and they would create something that was not even as fun as the local shopping mall parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. If I, I want to respect your time, so I'm going to start, start wrapping up. I mean, we didn't even cover, there's definitely, I know your dad had a lot to do in, in your life about skateboarding and, and just the sport in general as well. So I want to loop, in, loop him in a little bit in this last question. And it's just, if, you're, if your dad was still around today, and let's say the three of us were wrapping up dinner, and that uh, interesting but unusual ritual of having black coffee or having coffee after dinner came up, what, you know, what would he be proud of in terms of seeing what you've done with, with your life? What would he tell me? Um... <clears throat> Well, he was such an advocate for skateboarding because he saw what it provided me and all my misfit friends who a lot had, a lot of them had troubled family lives and, and they found skateboarding as their salvation. And he saw that the, the good qualities of skateboarding and what it brought to so many of my friends that for him to see how far it's come that I had any sort of influence on that would be probably his, his proudest moment. I mean, I literally just gave a, a speech in an event recently where I was talking about him and, and I jokingly said, if anyone here knows how to communicate with the dearly departed, please tell my dad that skateboarding is now in the Olympics because wow. that would make yeah. him proudest above all else besides, you know, that I'm doing well and that I have success it, it, that he knew that skateboarding was the Olympics. That would be definitely, uh, the highlight for him. Well, Mr. Hawk, I mean, I wish we had another hour together. There's so much more to talk about, but I'm grateful for the time we did uh, spend together. And it's, it's a real privilege, real, a real, real honor to have this time with you. And, and I just want to thank you for the time, but thank you for, you know, just staying. It's like you opened the conversation, just staying determined the, throughout the whole journey. Because uh, again, that, the ripple effect of that has impacted not just myself, uh, which it has, uh, but so many, so many people out in this world that either skate or don't skate. And that's, I think that's something to be really proud of. So I, I hope you feel that and you, you leave with a, a full heart. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.